Welcome to Christian Faith Center. We're a church that meets in multiple locations. If you'd like to know more about our church, just head to our website, experiencecfc.com. Thanks for joining us. Exciting. Man, all kinds of good stuff going on, isn't there? Man, it's going to be a great, uh, a great fall, and can't wait to see all that God does in our church family through the months of October and November. We have so many amazing things planned. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss any of it. It's going to be powerful. Well, hey, I'm excited today to be uh, bringing our series we've been in, Trust Issues, to a close. And uh, today, not because it hasn't been amazing, by the way, it's been amazing, uh, but I'm excited for this word. Uh, I believe it's going to help you. And uh, we've been having such great services and seeing God do amazing things. How many have enjoyed this series? It's helped you. It's built your faith. Uh, that has been our hope. I want you to grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And uh, we're going to conclude the series today, again, with a word I believe is going to help you. We're going to read from Matthew 26, starting in verse 69. And we're going to read a handful of verses together, and uh, I believe God's going to speak to us today. How many came expectant? All right. Well, we'll throw these on the screen for you as well, but let's read together, dive right into the Word of God. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 69, says, Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And verse 71, later, out by the gate, everybody say by the gate. I want you to remember that. I want you to highlight it, underline it, do whatever you do in your Bible to remember something. We're going to talk about that. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it. This time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Now, listen to this, it gets worse. Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. I don't know Jesus. And immediately the rooster crowed. And suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind, where Jesus had said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter went away weeping bitterly. Peter went away weeping bitterly. You know, so many people buy into the lie that failure is final. We, we, we navigate and experience failure in this life, and we believe that it's final, But failure is not final for the follower of Jesus. How many thankful for that? Failure is not final for the follower of Jesus. Matter of fact, I want to look and read another passage today from John chapter 21, and then we'll pray together and dive into this text. But I want to look not just at Peter's failure, I want to look at Peter's restoration. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17 highlight to us an encounter that Peter has with Jesus after Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Jesus makes it a point to stop by and encourage 
and, and interact with Peter and restore Peter. John chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. Again, we'll throw these on the screens for you as well, but I want to read together because it says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. Listen to Jesus. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Then feed my sheep. Today I want to talk to you about the failure paradox. The failure paradox. Would you pray with me? And let's dive into God's Word. Father, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, for these next few moments. We thank you for these opportunities. We can come together in powerful atmospheres where your Holy Spirit is here to meet with us and encourage us. And Lord, now we pray that our hearts would be open to your word today, that it would come alive to us, and that we would be built up and encouraged by it. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about the failure paradox. Um, a paradox, if you're not familiar with the term, is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Now that's Webster's definition. Let me just break it down for the common person. Come on. It's something that sounds wrong, but it's right. It's something that sounds like it could not be right, that it doesn't make sense, that it's the opposite of what would be right, but it's actually very true. I want to give you a couple thoughts regarding failure because as the follower of Jesus, we will experience failures in this life. Now, I know that's not a very encouraging way to open up the sermon today unless you yourself are dealing with a failure. Come on, somebody. And then you're encouraged because the reality is whether you're doing real great right now or whether you're navigating something difficult right now, we will all deal with a failure in our life. And I think it's so important that we get this deep down into our hearts and understand that failure is not final for the follower of Jesus. As a matter of fact, if we handle failure correctly, it will actually work for our good. And so I want to give you a handful of paradoxes that are true regarding failure while you follow Jesus. And I would encourage you, whether you're here in person or joining us online family right now, that you write these down, punch them into your phone, write them on a notepad, but get them into your heart because I believe they will help build you and equip you to follow Jesus in a powerful way and to embrace the things that we go through in life in a way that would be transformational for you. Number one, I want to give you the first paradox. Number one, failure is the doorway to a better you. Failure is the doorway to a better you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says this, For we now have this light shining in our hearts. We now have this light. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, that have the light of Christ shining in their hearts. How many know apart from Jesus, we are all in darkness? Apart from Jesus, life in this world is dark, but for all of those who have Jesus, we have the light of Christ, the very light of God 
inside of us. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. I love this. We're fragile. Fragile. Failure is a part of life. Fragility is a part of the human condition. Only Jesus was perfect. The rest of us are going to deal with problems. We're going to deal with issues. Proverbs 24, 16 gives us a strong encouragement regarding the godly. Matter of fact, it says this. It says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. In other words, the godly may fall down, they may stumble, they may make mistakes, they may be tripped up, they may be pushed down, they may encounter trouble and trial and hardship. The godly may trip up and fall down seven times, but they get back up again. Can I just encourage you, no matter what has happened in life, the key is just to get back up again. It's not to let failure become final in your life. Friends, failure is only final if we refuse to get back up again, if we refuse to trust God again, if we refuse to engage healing again, if we refuse to trust the Lord again and not move forward. But the call of God upon the believer is that if we would fall, that we would get back up again. This is God's heart for you. If you've fallen, God wants to raise you up again. If you messed up, God wants to restore you again. This is his heart. But so often we believe that failure is final. Well, if this wouldn't have happened, then maybe God could have used me. Well, maybe once or twice I could see God restoring my life, but not three, four, or five times. Surely... Surely God's run out of patience, run out of grace with me. No, friends. God never runs out, and he never runs dry. Not in this life. If you're still breathing air, then God is still faithful. If you're still breathing air, God's got more grace for you. If you're still breathing air, you have not exhausted the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. There will be a day that all of us stand before God, but while you are here, friends, there is grace and there is mercy available to you. The godly may fall seven, but they get back up again. So many times we think it's final that we are forever diminished because of what happened. Have you ever found yourself in a situation that you thought was the end for you? Have you ever done something that you thought, man, this is it. This is the one that I can't come back from. You know, the first bankruptcy, I could see that. But the third, no way I'm coming back. The first divorce, maybe God could still use me. But the second, man, I, I'm, I'm, it's over now. The, the, the third slip up, but no, not now, not, not the fifth. There's no way that I can come back from this one. Friends, I want you to know there's always a way back to the Father. There's always a way back to restoration. Failure can be a doorway to a better you if you navigate it properly. You may have walked through a season of brokenness, a season of addiction, a season of divorce or bankruptcy, a season of sin, loss, or failure, but I want you to know that God can put you back together again. That we serve a God that has never encountered a person so broken that he can't put them back together again. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this and I came across something that really stuck in my heart. I came across um, 
a form of restoration that is practiced in the Japanese culture. It's, it's actually a, a pottery technique among the Japanese people, and it's called kintsugi. It's called kintsugi. And kintsugi is the process of taking a clay object, typically some kind of china, a bowl, a dish, a plate, something that has been created and made beautiful. I think we have a picture of this on the screens. I have a real one in my hands right now. And kintsugi is the process of taking something that is broken and not just throwing it away. See, part, part of the disadvantage we have in our culture, there's so much prosperity and everything is so readily available to us that we pretty much deem everything as common. And if something breaks, we just throw it away and we just buy a new one. But in the Japanese culture, they put a lot of value and effort into the things that they have, especially their china and their pottery. And so if something breaks in this culture, they don't just throw it away. As a matter of fact, they'll gather up the pieces and they'll practice the art of kintsugi. And the art of kintsugi is taking the pieces of the broken pottery and putting it back together again. And they don't use Gorilla Glue. Come on, somebody. They, they don't use Gorilla Glue. They don't use duct tape. No, they use gold. And so they will take gold and they will solder the seams of the pottery that has been broken back together with gold. And the idea of kintsugi is not that the pot will ever be the same again. And I want to pause here because here's where a lot of us get hung up, is we think restoration is being put back together the way we were before. Let me just lean into a tension that some of you are feeling today. Many of us struggle to embrace the healing and forgiveness of God because after our failure, we're not like we were before. No, I, I now carry the scars of brokenness. No, no, now I have the scars of betrayal. No, now I have the scars of abandonment. I, have, I carry the wounds of addiction. No, I carry, I carry the brokenness of abandonment. I, and even though God can restore, I'm not like I used to be. And so we look at ourselves and we think we're lesser than. And we diminish the restoration power of God in our lives because God didn't put us back together exactly the way we were before. But can I just tell you something? Can I tell you that God's desire isn't to put you back together like you were before? God doesn't give you amnesia when he picks you up out of the broken areas of your life. God doesn't give you a holy amnesia. No, he picks you up and his desire is that you would remember the way the world broke you. His desire is that you would remember all that you went through, but his desire is that it would be overshadowed by the amazing, restoring grace of God in your life. His desire is to put you back together, not the way you were before, but better and more valuable and bigger and with a story like you had, bigger than you had before. See, the beauty of Kintsugi is not that the bowl is like it was before. The beauty of Kintsugi is that it was broken in a unique way, but it was restored in an even more valuable way. 
that the, that the owner and the creator took the time to weld the broken areas of this piece back together so that it tells a story, yes, of brokenness. But friends, nobody's focused on the brokenness in Kintsugi. They're looking at the restoring beauty of a bowl that was once in many pieces, but has been put back together by the creator to be more valuable and beautiful than before. And I want you to know that the devil might have broke you and your friend might have betrayed you and the world might have beat you down. But friends, our God is a better restorer than the devil is a a destroyer. Our God is a better restorer. He can build you and he can pick you back up and he can put you back together better than you were before. We are fragile pots that hold a great glory. And I'm telling you, it's not my strengths that God has used the most. No, friends, it's actually been the scars that God's used the most in my life. What makes me unique is what I've been through. What makes you unique is what you've been through. It's what God has done in your life. This is why the book of Revelation tells us that the testimony of Jesus actually carries with it the spirit of prophecy. Because God puts you back together in a unique and a beautiful way. It's what you went through and how God healed you and poured his oil out over your life and poured his love and his mercy out over your life. It's how he picked you back up. and It's how he loved you back to life. It's how he intervened when you should have died, but he saved your life. It's, it's how he stepped into your situation and put you back together. Friends, that is the testimony of Jesus Christ. That is the golden thread that's woven throughout your life. So hear me. Don't let the devil convince you. Let me talk to you for a second, online family. Do not let the devil convince you that your brokenness disqualifies you. No, it is your brokenness that reveals the glory of God in your life. It shows his love and his healing power. It's the beauty. Yes, we're fragile, but our God is not. Yes, we get broken, but our God can put us back together. And no, friends, you may never be the same again. But let me just declare something over your life. That if you will lean in to Jesus Christ and allow him to do a healing work in you, you will actually be better than you were before. Not the same, but more valuable. Not the same, but your cracks will tell a story. Not the same, but the mercy of God and the grace of the Lord will be on display in your life like never before. The word kintsugi translated into English, it literally means golden joinery. Whatever's broken in your life, friends, God wants to bring it back. He wants to restore it. And not so that it's invisible like it never happened. You know, one, one of the interesting things that's so sobering to me about Jesus is when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, you'd think the Father would just erase all of the evidence that he was ever crucified. And yet, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he appeared really to thousands of people, but he first appeared to his disciples. And one of the first things he said is he said, put your hands in, put, put your finger in the hole in my hands. Put, put, your, put your hand in the hole in my side where I was pierced for you. Even after he was raised, Jesus had the marks in his body. Could it be that heaven 
Could it be that heaven sees hurt differently than we see hurt? See, what you allow God to use and heal and restore actually becomes a testimony of the glory of God in your life. I think of the Apostle Paul and how he was defending himself to his own churches that he planted. And one of the things that he said is he said, you know, I shouldn't have to defend myself to you, for I bear in my own body the marks of Christ. Where the world would look at Paul and say, man, what a bad guy getting whipped all those times. He must have done so much wrong. Paul said, look at all that I've gone through for the cause of Christ. Paul understood it worked for a glory for him. Friends, what we go through in this life, if we'll let God heal it, it can become beautiful. Jesus doesn't just build you back the way you were. No, he can build you back bigger and stronger and more beautiful than you were before. You have not broken so much that God cannot restore your life. He is a master restorer. He's the God that makes beauty out of ashes. And he can make beauty out of ashes in your life. If you believe that, shout amen. I want to give you a second paradox today. The second paradox is that failure is the doorway to a better understanding of God. Failure is the doorway to a better understanding of God. Allow me to unpack an important principle that I've been chewing on um, for a while. And it impacts every relationship in our lives, by the way, not just our walk with God. But there is a pattern in our relationships that at first thought should the, the, at first thought, when you hear this, it's going to sound like, well, this should lead to a lesser and lesser relationship, not a greater and greater relationship. But if this pattern is handled well, it can actually lead to a greater and greater relationship. And this, the pattern is this. The pattern is rupture and repair. Rupture and repair. You know, I have a rule that I won't bring somebody on my staff team at Christian Faith Center until we've experienced a rupture. What do I mean by that? There's been a conflict. I want to see you go through something. Because everybody looks good until you're in conflict. Don't you dare marry someone until you've gotten into a fight with them. Come on, somebody. Don't you marry someone until, don't you ask someone to marry you until, until you saw them go through a little conflict, until there's been some rupture and repair. Every business owner in this room knows that everybody looks good on a resume until there's a rupture. The key is, can there be a repair? What's the key to a great marriage? It's not that there's never a rupture. There's a rupture all the time. It's... It's to make sure there's a repair. Make sure there's a history of, yes, we have conflict, but we always have resolution. Even in your relationships. You know, one of the things we struggle with in this generation is long-term relationships. One of the healthiest identification markers of a person is do they have friendships longer than a year? Do you have anybody that's been your friend for more than six months? If not, then there might be a problem. You might have learned to rupture really well, but not repair. So we just find new friends. We, we, don't, we don't see restoration happen. We just throw them away, and we go to Fred Meyer and buy new plates. We go to World Market, and we get new ones. Well, what a great time to throw away the old. I'll just upgrade. 
We, we rupture, but there's no repair. See, this is a great principle in life and relationships. Yes, your marriage will rupture. Just make sure it repairs. Yes, your friendships will rupture. Just make sure they repair. Just have the heart to repair. Yes, those, you, the relationships you have in your, in your family, all of there will be ruptures. But see, if there is repair, rupture and repair, rupture and repair, as long as there is repair that's happening, your relationships can actually get stronger and stronger instead of lesser and lesser. See, if you break a bone and it heals, one of the strongest points on that bone is where it broke and healed. Why? Because the repair is actually the strongest place. The body is meant when it heals to repair. That's why you can see a scar on your hand. It doesn't heal up exactly like the rest of the skin. No, it's a little bit sturdier. It's a little bit thicker. It's a little bit different than the rest. Why? There was a rupture, but there was a repair. And the repair is stronger than what hasn't ruptured. And so, friends, I'm just telling you, if there's a rupture, as long as there's a repair, you can see things get stronger and stronger in your life instead of lesser and lesser. You actually find out the quality of your relationships when there's a rupture because you find out if there can be a repair. Everybody seems like a good friend until you have to repair. And then you find out, are they emotionally healthy? Are they emotionally intelligent? Are they wounded on the inside? Is there something going on? Are they just going to ghost me and I'm never going to hear from them again? Can they take ownership? Can they apologize? Can they be humble? There's so much you find out in the rupture. And see, every time there's a repair, things get stronger and stronger. Yes, there will be ruptures. Friends, just make sure there is a repair. Failure gives us an opportunity to trust again, to see the faithfulness of those in our lives. Now, I'm not saying we want to see that. I'm not saying the goal is failure. I'm not even trying to paint failure in a great light. If you can avoid failure, do it at all costs. I'm just telling you, it is a part of the human condition. I've never met a person that didn't have a rupture in relationships, not even Jesus. It doesn't have to be your fault to be your problem. Jesus experienced ruptures in his relationships. And sometimes he, res- he, he actually navigated repair. In your friendships, in your marriages, in your walk with God, there will be ruptures. But see, we find out what a relationship is made of in the repair. Perhaps you were in a friendship or a relationship, and there was a rupture, but there was no repair. Here's my encouragement to you today. Find it within yourself to trust again. Find it within yourself to trust again. Let me encourage you, not all men are like the man that hurt you. Not all women are like the woman who betrayed you. Not all churches are like the church that hurts you. Not all bosses are like the boss that sidelined you. Not all friends are like the friends that gossiped about you. Find it within yourself to trust again. The enemy would love for that rupture to lead to a life of isolation and trust issues. But friends, it is the heart of God to restore you, to give you the ability to trust again. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul gives us some of the best life and relationship advice of all time. And here's his advice to us. He says, as much as it depends upon you, live at peace with all people. As much as it depends upon you. Because here's the reality. It's not always going to be up to you. 
It takes two to have a relationship and it takes two for there to be repair. But I've purposed in my heart, if there's a rupture, the repair will only not happen if they don't want it to happen. Because I've purposed in my heart not to be too proud to apologize. Not, not to be too big to come back. Not, not to be too stubborn to get things right. I've purposed in my heart to not be too hurt to forgive. I, I want to be able to say, listen, come on back. Matter of fact, I had a good buddy of mine just text me last night. I haven't really heard from him in years. And I love this man. And I had already postured my heart toward him. And he'd moved away to another state and different things. But he texted me back and he just said, hey, would you please forgive me? Would you please forgive me? My response to you wasn't worthy of the investment you made in my life. And I texted him back and I said, oh my gosh, are you kidding? It's water under the bridge. Thanks for being so healthy and mature. Repair. Repair. How many know I now know something about that man I never knew before? My relationship with him is not diminished, it is increased. Because I've seen a side of him that I had never seen before. What was it? Was it success that gave me the opportunity to see it? Was it health that gave me the opportunity to see it? Was it never having a... No, it was, it was the rupture that gave me an opportunity to see that there was enough health to repair. See, repair is possible. But let me just say this. When necessary, release people. If they won't allow repair, then release them. But regardless, allow God to heal you enough to trust again. Allow God to heal you enough to jump into a small group again. Allow God to heal you enough to to really trust a leader again. Allow God to heal you enough to trust a partner again. Allow God to heal you enough to open up all of your heart again to a spouse. You need relationships with other people. Listen, we are often wounded in community, but we are always healed in community. This is the paradox. It's people who hurt us, but it's people who heal us. God works through people to bring healing in your life. We need each other. But see, here's where God is different than others. That God will never rupture his relationship with you. But his desire is always that there would be repair. God will never rupture it. But he will always be open to a repair. See, let me give you a couple uh, extreme opposites. Distance and proximity. See, we may distance ourselves from God, but He will always let us come near again. There's sin and forgiveness. See, we might sin against God, but He offers us forgiveness for every failure. See, don't you love in the story with, with Jesus that Jesus did not just engage Peter one time when Peter had failed three times? Have you ever been half forgiven? Have you ever spilled your heart to someone and they were like, well, I forgive you for one part of that, but I'm not sure about the other one. (laughs) Or have you ever asked for forgiveness once, but then it happens again and they don't give it to you the second time? And you, listen, with humans, that well can run dry. But with God, it never runs dry. He's a better redeemer than you are a failure. No matter what's happened, no matter what happened, God is the perfect restorer. And I love this about Peter. I love this that Jesus did not just confront Peter once. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. All right, then get out there and get the job done. And deep down, Peter's going, but what about the, two, the second and the third time? 
Because I get that you, I get one time, Jesus, but what about the second and the third? Have you truly fully forgiven me? Have you truly fully embraced? Do you see all that I did? Can I just tell you that God sees it all and he's got mercy for every bit of it. And I love that Peter uh, was engaged by Jesus three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love Then go on and feed my sheep. And a third time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. See, for every failure, Jesus brought restoration. He's the God of total restoration. He's not trying to halfway fix you. He's not trying to halfway heal you. He's not trying to halfway redeem you. Jesus wants you fully redeemed. He wants you to see who He is. See, the reality is, if we're always operating with God at this level, we always see God from one angle. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad the favor of God is upon our life when we're doing good. But what about when we fall down? What about when we're way down here? What about when we don't have the integrity to stand up? What about when we don't have the track record to stand up tall and proud? What about when we're down here? Can I just tell you, friends, so many people are afraid to turn their gaze to God in a state of failure. But can I encourage you with something? That if you will turn your gaze to God, even in failure, you will find that He is beautiful from that angle too. You will find that He's the God of mercy when you're down, and He's the God of favor when you're up. You'll find that it was never about you to begin with. It was always about God. You will find when, you, when you're worried you let God down, you will find that you were never holding Him up to begin with. You were always sustained by His mercy, always sustained by His grace. No matter where you find yourself, you'll find God to be the God of grace and mercy, always willing to restore you and give you another opportunity and another chance. Can I encourage you, friends, that from every angle... He's good. From every angle, He's God. No one wants to be in that position. I get that. But there are parts of God you will only see from down low. There are parts of God you will only see from up high. There are parts of God you'll only see when you're on mission. There are parts of God you'll only see when you're in prayer. There are parts of God you'll only see when you're fasting. But I'm here to tell you every angle of God I've ever saw, He's still good. He's still great. He's still filled with mercy and grace and second chances. This is our God. He is good. Perhaps you've been too scared to look to God in this season. Friends, can I encourage you? You will like what you find. Great is His mercy. Great is His faithfulness in this life. Turn to Jesus. He is your righteousness. I love one of the names given to the Lord in the Old Testament. It is Jehovah Sidkanu. And it means God our righteousness. He is your righteousness. He's who makes you right. No matter where you find yourself today, can I get a big amen? amen. My final thought, and I'll get you out of here, is that failure is the doorway to a better future. If you handle failure correctly, it can be a doorway to a better future. John chapter 21, 15, and 17. Uh, I, I just want to show you again that that, that Jesus is saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than ye, these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Listen to what Jesus said. Then feed my lambs. 
He goes on to ask him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep. How many know Jesus wasn't talking about real sheep? He's talking about his people. He's talking about his people. Now, what was Peter? Peter was serving Jesus in ministry, caring for people. But Peter failed. Now Peter is back to fishing again. And Jesus is cooking fish, and he waves his hands. I can see it over the fire, and he's going, do you love me more than these, Peter? Do you love me more than fish? Do you love me more than all of this? And go feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And listen, this is the third time he asked, do you love me? He was hurt that he asked him again. You know I love you, Lord. You know I love you more than everything. You know it all. You see all of it. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Here's what I want you to get out of this today. That Jesus pointed Peter forward, not backwards. Peter addressed what was keeping Jesus stuck. Not to hurt him or humiliate him or call him out, but to deal with what was keeping him back. Because failure always tries to be final. Sin always tries to get us stuck. But see, Jesus restores and moves us forward. So he doesn't point backwards, he points forward for Peter. See, Jesus knew what Peter would do before he even did it. Think about that. And he still authored a future for him, a place of influence and impact for him. Notice Jesus didn't respond back to Peter. Okay, Peter, I forgive you. That's it. You're forgiven. No, he called Peter into his destiny. He called Peter into his purpose. He didn't just leave him at a simple, I forgive you. No, he launched him into the very call of God that was upon his life. He pointed Peter to his future. The very thing Peter might have felt unworthy of walking in, Jesus reminded him that it was still very much in front of him. That no matter what happened, Peter, I'm still moving you forward. No matter what happened, Peter, I still want to use your life. No matter how many times you failed, Peter, I'm going to forgive you because i got a plan for your life. Our failure doesn't mean that we now have a subpar calling. See, the devil doesn't have to convince you that you're totally done. He just has to convince you you can't be what God once wanted you to be. The devil would have loved for Peter to settle for being a good Bible teacher on Sunday mornings and then being a fisherman instead of the apostle of the Jerusalem church. Oh, he would have been totally fine if Peter would have just been 20% of what Jesus had called him to be. But Jesus said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to restore you to every bit of man of God as as you've ever been. Matter of fact, your greatest days are in front of you, Peter, not behind you. You know, Peter would go on not just to casting out devils, not just to healing the sick, not just to preaching some altar calls. Peter would go on to carry such an anointing and a glory that if people could just get their friends and family in the shadow, shadow of Peter as he walked by. Miracles would happen in their body and demons would flee from their life and sicknesses would run from their bodies all because Peter just walked by him. Why? Because Peter had to be a shell of a man because he failed? No, because Jesus fully restored Peter into the man of God he was always called to be. Greater is in front of you than behind you. Greater is the call of God ahead of you than the failures in your past. Don't allow the devil to convince you you're done. No, 
God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He is a better restorer than you are a failure. And in Jesus' name, I declare over your life, this is a time of restoration. That God is restoring your life. That the grace of God is putting you back together. Greater will be your glory. Greater will be your testimony. Because of God at work in your life. If you believe it, stand up on your feet and shout amen to the God that knows how to put you back together. I'll leave you with this one scripture and then we're going to sing a song. I'd never seen this before. I'd read this a million times, but I'd never seen it in this light. Listen to Luke chapter 22. Verses 31 and 32, Jesus is talking to Peter, and it's before Peter ever messed up at all. It's before Peter ever messed up at all. Listen to what he said. Simon, Simon, in case you're wondering, in case you're wondering where the pressure came from, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. Satan is asked. But listen to what Jesus said. But I have pleaded with, I have pleaded for you in prayer. I pleaded with you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So that, listen to this, when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. When you have repented and turned to me again, oh, listen to this, in one sentence, Jesus predicted his failure, Jesus predicted his restoration, and Jesus called out his future. When it happens, know that I prayed for you. And when you have repented and turned back to me, go and strengthen your brothers. You've got to get this in your heart. Jesus saw it all, and he authored your tomorrow. You haven't gone too far, and you haven't done too much that Jesus can't restore your life. So listen, all repent means, it means to turn away from our old life and turn to Jesus. It means to turn our back on everything in this world and go after Jesus as the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, to make him ruler of our life, to invite him to be God, not just God of all, but Lord of my life. And maybe you're here today and maybe failure has marked your life. Or maybe you're here today and you've never heard someone talk about Jesus like this and something's going on in your heart, friends. Today is your day. Today is your day to turn your life to Jesus. Today is your day to experience the transformational love of God in your life. And it starts with repentance. Turning away from your old life and turning to Jesus with all your heart and putting all your trust in him and what he did for you. He died for you so you wouldn't have to. He rose for you to know that you could too. I'm telling you, Jesus can restore every arena of your life if you will turn to him and he will launch you into the future he always knew that he would have for you and always knew that you could be with him and so if you're here today we're about to sing a song in 30 seconds we're going to sing a song but I want to give you an opportunity I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer today to reach out to God in faith in a way that could transform your life and so if you're here today and you just say pastor I know I'm not where I need to be with Jesus I know that I still need to turn and give my life to the Lord then today's your day. And if you're here today and you just say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? I'm turning to Jesus today and I'm trusting Jesus today with all my heart. I'm gonna count to three. I just want you to raise your hand. I'm gonna pray for you. Ready? One, two, three. All over the room. Just raise your hand. Raise them up high so I can see them. I see you, sir. And you, sir. Is there anybody else? I see you. Raise them high so I can see them. I'll stretch your faith and your hand. I see you, ma'am. Anybody else? I see you, sir, in the back. 
in you, man. Father, right now in Jesus' name, as these people turn to you, I pray that they would turn to you with all their heart. Friends, just pray a prayer out loud that goes something like this. Just say, Jesus, right now, I repent. I turn to you with all my heart. And I believe that you are who the Bible says you are, that you're the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world, that you died for me on the cross of Calvary, and you were buried, but you rose again, and you're alive today. And I make you king, Lord of my life, Lord of my heart. Forgive me, God, for everything I've done that separated me from you. Bring me close. Give me a new heart and a new start. And Lord, launch me. Launch me into the destiny you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, God's got a plan for you.